0: Welcome to Stepping Off Now, a podcast about how to live your creative best life. If you're feeling creatively stuck, burned out, or like you're not fulfilling your true creative potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Kendra, a social scientist and writer. I spent decades feeling creatively unfulfilled while I pursued conventional life goals, culminating in severe burnout that took years to recover from. This podcast chronicles my journey in real time as I find my way home to my essential creative self and seek to live my own creative best life. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using creativity to manage mental health, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My hope is that you'll find inspiration and solace here. You are not alone, and you are stronger and wiser than you know. You can find out more by visiting my website, KendraPatterson.com. Now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Just a quick update about my COVID situation. So I never ended up getting COVID. I tested negative with my home tests, and I felt mostly fine, but... I've definitely been struggling with more tiredness than usual and just a general feeling of like blah. And I'm wondering if even when you test negative for COVID, if your body can still be fighting it off. I mean, that that's kind of what must have happened, right? Because I was absolutely 100% exposed, no ambiguity there. If you know the answer to this, email me and let me know if you can test negative for COVID, but still be extra tired because you test negative because your body has successfully fought it off, but you still have these like really minor symptoms. Uh, anyway, I mean, obviously, that's good news that I didn't come down with it. It means either that my vaccinations and booster shots are working, or I'm just one of those people who isn't super susceptible to it. Uh, But like I said, I have been feeling super run down the last week and kind of struggled a bit to come up with a subject for this episode. And I finally settled on one that has been knocking around in the back of my head, and I haven't really figured out how to approach it because I haven't found any information about this type of issue online. I'm sure there is. I mean, I haven't done... An exhaustive search, and you can find basically anything online. But when I search keyword terms for this issue, nothing is really coming up. So what is this issue that I'm talking about? Well, it's a surprising and unexpected motivation killer that I have been dealing with a bit lately. And because it's a motivation killer that comes from a surprising source, one that I haven't encountered before, I'm not sure entirely how to deal with it. So what is this secret sneak attack motivation killer? (laughs) Well, it's none other than things in my life are going really well in general, and I feel pretty happy. And suddenly, my creative practice isn't that one thing that's bringing me joy and keeping me going that I wake up in the morning excited to do, because the rest of my life feels pretty good. If you're a longtime listener, you'll know that my dedication to living the creative life and my creative practice arose out of the extreme severe burnout and associated mental health issues that I encountered while doing my PhD and then for several several years after finishing. Not unusual for people to really suffer doing a PhD. I had someone recently tell me that It takes on average seven years to recover (laughs) from doing a PhD. This really should be common knowledge for people applying to PhDs. But of course, I mean, I knew it was going to be challenging. I read all the books, did all the research about the experience of doing a PhD, and nothing can really warn you of what you're going to encounter. Uh, Anyway, I'm five years out from my PhD, and I feel like I'm well and truly recovered. But for a long time, my creative practice and all of the things associated with that, like my blog that I was doing this podcast, all of this was how I recovered from that. And the reason it worked is because I am a creative. And in order to feel good about my life and feel that it's worthwhile feel that I have purpose, I have to be doing creative work. And for me, what that is, is writing novels and communicating with people about the creative life and how to live it, how to use it to manage mental health, etc. So you can see that what I'm trying to say here is that now that my life is pretty good and I'm reaping the benefits of all my hard work not just in terms of my creative work, but the rest of my life in general because when you improve one part of your life, it usually has an effect of improving other parts. I'm finding myself kind of struggling a bit with motivation in a way that I never have before. I've always been a proponent of making sure that your creative practice is joyful, is fun, because that's what will bring you back to the table to do it day after day, which is the necessary ingredient to accomplishing your creative goals and achieving creative dreams. But now that My creative practice is not (laughs) the thing I wake up in the morning necessarily thinking about and getting out of bed for. There's other stuff going on in my life. I'm finding that I really have to push myself to focus my mind on the task in a way that I haven't had to do before. My concentration is not great. I have days where I wonder if I'm no longer even interested in my my major project, my novel, because I've been working on it so long, I wonder if maybe I've just reached a natural end of my desire to work on it. And I don't think that those things are true. I think simply put that the problem is that I'm happy with my life in my life, and my creative practice is no longer necessary to my happiness in the way that it has been up to now. This is a really weird problem to have, isn't it? This is why this subject was one that I just kind of put on the back burner, because I wasn't even sure how to explain it, let alone offer advice for how to deal with it. I mean, nobody wants to complain because their life is great, right? (laughs) But it kind of is a problem, and it actually represents a major upheaval in my way of life and my perception of the purpose of my work. If I'm no longer doing my creative work as a way of like explicitly making my life feel like it's worthwhile and has purpose, I mean, that still is true. It's just not as obviously true. So what do I do about this? This is the question I've been pondering these last weeks and months. What do you do when You lose motivation for your creative work, not because you're struggling in life, not because there's anything at issue with the project itself, but because you have some vibrant, exciting stuff happening in your life that eclipses your love of your creative efforts. Like I said, when I do online searches for motivation problems, this is not... (laughs) one that comes up in the first page or so of results. And in a way, it flies in the face of conventional wisdom about motivation and creativity. We tend to think that when everything's going well in life, it's easier to find motivation because we're in a good place emotionally and mentally, psychologically. And when we're really struggling, down in the dumps, depressed, dealing with anxiety, that's when we lose motivation. And, and that's certainly true. I mean, nothing is a motivation killer like anxiety and fear, particularly around our own capacities, talents, etc. And like many creatives and artists, I have found that when I'm really depressed, I get creatively blocked and I, I can't do my work. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of times in life, We actually thrive when we have a certain amount of stress or emotional struggle, because that in and of itself becomes the motivator. So all of this time, you know, that I'm saying, oh, well, my motivation is I find joy in my creative practice. It's fun. I I am excited about it. That was true. But also (laughs) a major motivator for me was I kind of feel like shit otherwise. And this thing makes me feel good, so of course I'm going to be doing that thing. Okay, so how do you deal with this kind of circumstance? I'm going to tell you the things that have really helped me continue to push through and sit down every day to do my work. My habits have fallen off a little bit. For a while, I was doing like between two to four hours a day on my novel, and I was working five to six days a week. Right now, I'm doing maybe an hour or two. And working four to five days a week. I mean, that's still pretty good, so I'm not beating myself up too much, but I would like to up my game a little bit, particularly since I am rounding the bend on these revisions of the novel. I just wanna get it done. Here's what I have been focusing on it's two things. This is what has been helping me continue to find value in my work and remain dedicated to it. These two things are the why and the who of my creative work. So what is my why? Why am I doing this work? It can't just be because I enjoy it. It can't just be because it gives me a reason to live or because it imbues my life with a sense of purpose. Those are all really good reasons and they are very motivating reasons to sit down and do your creative work, but it's not enough. The why of your work is bigger than all of those things. It's bigger than you. So this is a little bit implicated with that sense of purpose that you have. So you could maybe see this as the why of your sense of purpose. Because ultimately in life, doing things only to please yourself because they feel good to you, because they're what make you get out of bed in the morning. I mean, that's a necessary ingredient of life that it feels good to you, that you enjoy your life, but it's kind of hollow for most of us if we don't have a larger sense of why. Now, the question of why, the why of our work, is related to the question of who. So you may be the type who wants to start with the who, and that gives you the why, or maybe you start with the why and that gives you the who. You can do it either way, but the who is the people you seek to serve or you seek to impact in a positive way. This narrows the focus of your why a little bit. Your why can be a larger reason, a little bit more abstract, but your who gets down to the specific types of people or even individuals that you're hoping to make a difference for. So the why and the who of our creative work has to do with the positive benefit that We see ourselves bringing to the world. And I hesitate to say that you have to have this sense of your work having a meaning larger than yourself, your creative work, because I know plenty of people who just do their creative stuff in a private way and it's enough for them. And I think that that's totally fine. But I also know a lot of people who do feel that there's a larger purpose to their work. And I think it's really important to balance these two things, the personal meaning that you find in your work on on the day-to-day, actually sitting down to do it, and then the larger purpose that you feel. And if you're too focused on one or the other, that leads to an imbalance that can impact your motivation to do your work. And I think this is especially true if you're focused on those bigger picture, the why and the who at the expense of that very basic, am I enjoying my work today when I sit down to do it? But as I've discovered, the opposite can happen too. Over time, I became so focused on the quality of my working sessions that I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the why and the who of my fiction. Now, I certainly do when it comes to my podcast, and I talk a lot about that. And I did a series of episodes late last year where I talked about my vision for the grander purpose of this part of my work. But when it comes to my novel, I haven't really done that. Not really. What I've mainly been focused on is my very personal why and who, lowercase why and who, which is, of course, the who is me. (laughs) And the why is it makes my life feel worth living. But what are the uppercase why and who of my Novel. If you're struggling with this kind of motivation killer, and this may be something that you're not really able to recognize in your own life because perhaps you're not someone who struggles over much with mental health challenges, or things in your life are just generally in most areas going pretty well, but you still have this urge to create, but you're really struggling to find the motivation to put aside some time and space for that to get yourself into that, that head zone of really fertile creativity, often this feels like a type of distraction. So you sit down to do your work and you find yourself kind of reliving the good things that happened during your day or the excitement that you feel over other stuff in your life, it can be much harder to deal with that kind of distraction than it can be to deal with the distraction of pain or struggle. Because when you are looking for help with this type of issue, really what you're going to find is how to deal with the difficult stuff. If you're feeling good, then problem solved, right? (laughs) We don't perceive that as being an issue that we need to deal with. If you find yourself in this situation where it just isn't feeling very compelling to find that time and space for creative work, don't despair. Doesn't mean you don't have it. Doesn't mean you lack the capacity to do creative work, to do good creative work. Spend a little time focused on the larger picture, why and who. I'll give you an example of what this looks like from my own work, and maybe that will help a little bit. In writing my novel, it has become apparent to me that it's a feminist novel. This is not a shock to me. (laughs) A lot of my work over the years, including my undergraduate and master's theses, were essentially feminist. Since I was a child, for whatever reason, I have always had, or I should say I've always been extremely sensitive to the way that different genders are perceived and treated and the opportunities available to them as a little girl growing up, it was not lost on me that most of the heroes in the books I read were men. Most of the cool fun stuff that people get to do really was for men. Because I've never been a girly girl, I wasn't super interested in the specific stuff available for women and the roles available for women. I mean, obviously, this kind of stuff changes over time. And, you know, my mother grew up in an era where the jobs available to women were to be a nurse or a teacher, if they worked at all. I grew up in the 80s. It was the decade of the power woman and shoulder pads. And ostensibly speaking, there were opportunities all over the place for women, but there's still a lot of injustice. And so that's my why. Why am I writing this novel? It's not just because I'm compelled to write because I was born a writer, because it makes me happy to write. It's because I have something to say, something that matters to me a lot, something that I've spent a lifetime experiencing and thinking about and observing in the world around me. It's because I feel that my perspective on these issues matters, and I want to put it out into the world. In a sense... My novel is a statement, I guess you could say. This is something that I've always kind of sort of known about it, but hadn't explicitly come around to. In main part, because if you sit down to write a novel as a statement, (laughs) as a form of activism, I mean, you can certainly do that, but it's going to come off as probably preachy and Your message will come at the expense of the actual story of the novel, and it's likely not going to be a pleasure to read. I mean, we see this a lot these days with streaming entertainment. A lot of it is just very explicitly in your face about its message, right? And certainly, that probably appeals to many people, but I personally find it kind of tedious. The same could be said for novels that are written for that larger why. So you need to be careful about this capital letter Y when it comes to your work. It definitely needs to come after or secondary to your personal purpose as a creative, as an artist, to do your work because that's who you are, to tell your story because it matters to you on a personal level. It's an expression of something inside yourself. That has to come prior, that small letter Y. Capital letter Y is what you can start exploring when you're struggling with motivation down the line. Okay, so who is the who of my novel? It would be tempting to say, well, it's women. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference for women. At the very least, I want other women to know that they're not alone In their experiences. Or it would be tempting to say, well, it's society. (laughs) I want to make a splash. I want to make a change. I want to make a difference. To me, those who's are a little too abstract, a little too grand. I'm not comfortable with writing a novel with this idea that it's going to make some kind of difference in the world. I think that the who of a project needs to be a little bit more specific and grounded. The who of my novel are actual readers, individual readers, they are anonymous to me, probably always will be, who will resonate with something they read in my novel or learn something, think about something in a new way that they hadn't considered before. The Who of my novel is very much similar to the Who of this podcast, my other work. I want to reach individual people, whoever they are, wherever they are, and give them something to think about, and hopefully offer some solace. That feels good to me as a Who. It's real. It seems achievable. It doesn't require me to write some kind of Pulitzer Prize-winning work It just requires me to be authentic, truthful, dedicated, and courageous. And where do I find those qualities, the motivation for developing those qualities in my daily practice of doing my work? So the who brings me back around to that small letter who of myself sitting down and finding joy in my work. So it kind of comes full circle if you can picture that when you're contemplating these larger picture issues, always important to come back around to the personal. Why is that? Because of what I talked about before, when we allow these larger motivators to eclipse that very personal experience of doing our work, we will tip back into that loss of motivation land. Because those larger picture things aren't enough to keep us going back to our work day after day, which is the requirement to live the creative life and do our work. I mean, quite obviously, finish our work. And we'll find that we have to force ourselves to the table. Something I heard about Mother Teresa that always stuck in my mind is that she was very unhappy, even though she was doing all this amazing work, and she obviously had a very large picture, capital letter, why and who, right? But her personal motivation was that feeling of connection to God. And she had that. That's what compelled her to go to India and do the work that she was doing. But I read that when she got there, she lost that feeling of connection, that feeling of communion with God. And she never really found it again. Now, she was able to push herself through in the specific capacity of the work that she was doing, because the larger picture, who and why, were so compelling, so important. But that's not the case with creative work, right? We cannot and maybe never will be able to truly understand the impact of our own work, because we do all this work on stuff, it's very private, may or may not even be put out into the world, and if it is, we often don't know how it's received. And there's a delay factor. So we do all the work, and then we put the work out into the world. We're not getting any kind of immediate gratification. That's why we really need to have that personal, internal motivation of finding that day-to-day joy in our work. But when we encounter a situation where there are other things in our lives that are distracting us because they're in and of themselves, so compelling and exciting and fun, like maybe we've started a new course of study or job or new relationship or had a baby, you know, I've I've seen all of these things kind of cause people to fall off of their creative work. And the thing is, when that happens, because those things are so compelling, and you feel so simultaneously, joyful but also exhausted <laughs> because you're dealing with these new circumstances. They can feel like very legitimate reasons to stop doing your work, to take a little break from it. Oh, you can get back to it later. But if you don't want that to happen, if you are intent on continuing to do your creative practice, being dedicated to that, taking some time to really think about those larger picture motivators, the the why and the who can help you stay the course. So that's my two cents on this unexpected sneak attack motivation killer of having things going well in life, having events and circumstances inspire and excite you to a degree that you're having trouble feeling that for your creative work. I would be very interested to know if this is something any of you have experienced, what's worked for you and whether or not you've ever come across any resources that deal specifically with this issue. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Please recommend my podcast to anyone you think might like it or need to hear what I have to say. None of us are alone in our efforts, our creative efforts, and all of our personal experiences resonate on a larger scale with the experiences of all of us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you back here next Friday. Bye.